From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. Today is the first of an NP Pulse series featuring deans of nursing schools across the country. The cornerstone of nurse practitioner practice is robust academic and clinical preparation. Nationally accredited NP graduate degree programs include both didactic and clinical rotations, and graduate healthcare professionals who are fully prepared and with their nursing background, the best equipped to care for a patient's full well-being. What a better way to celebrate NP education than by speaking with the leaders who are responsible for making this education happen. I am honored to welcome our guest today. He is the Dean of the Duke University School of Nursing, Dean Vincent Ramos. Welcome to NP Pulse, Dean Ramos. It is so nice to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, April, for having me. It's really exciting to be here. You know, as I was reading um, a little bit more about your background and, and, you know, we had a chance to talk the other day, I was just absolutely fascinated with your story, how you got into healthcare in the first place, and then your journey to where you are today as Dean of the Duke University School of Nursing, one of our top schools in the nation today. I would love it if you could take some time and just share a little bit more about your background and uh, for, for all of us, for our listeners, and um, just share a little bit more about your story. You know, April, I, um, I've been thinking a lot about my sort of path to Duke University School of Nursing. And I guess I'll start by saying that I think it is true that I didn't envision that I would be the dean of a school of nursing and uh, never imagined that I would not only be the dean of a school of nursing, but one of the top schools in the country. Mm-hmm. When I think about my um, path to getting here, it really starts with um, being the son of uh, immigrants. One, my mom was from Puerto Rico, my father from the Dominican Republic, and they met each other during high school in the Bronx. And shortly after uh, meeting in high school, they were married and had my brother mm-hmm. and I. And, you know, being born and raised uh, in the Bronx and really experiencing um, what at the time I thought was normative, but later coming to understand that there were many social welfare and health disparities and inequities that at that time didn't seem very uh, apparent to me. I didn't have a language for, but I knew that there was something different about my community Mm-hmm. Uh, relative to other communities that I saw in New York City, particularly as I would visit as a child, for example, the museums in Manhattan. And initially, I um, it didn't really stand out to me because everybody was kind of in some ways the same. We were mostly mm-hmm. all Latino mm-hmm. or African-American. We all lived in the South Bronx. We mostly lived in high-density apartment buildings that were public housing. 
my parents uh, were hardworking, but we certainly grew up, um, you know, modest. And probably, if I'm being really honest, uh, we were poor. And mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that for my family, um, there was a message around uh, sort of trying to be proud of who you are, trying to improve uh, your community, trying to uh, make things better. And I always had a sense of responsibility regarding uh, my being Latino and also wanting to move forward and always had an eye towards how can I help my community. And uh, for me, that was obviously the South Bronx, but even beyond that, the Latino community and mm -hmm. other uh, communities that were experiencing disparities. That led me to initially social welfare and social work. And okay. I initially became um, you know, really interested in social work because of the focus on social justice, the sort of idea that you could meet a person or a case and make that a cause. And there was this profession that was really speaking to me around how do I take my experience, what I understood, and make it into something that wasn't about uh, my family's or my community's mm -hmm. uh, deficiencies, but was really about a set of structures that facilitated the health and well-being of certain individuals, families, and communities and made it harder for others. And that captivated me. That really yeah. made me think, uh, I want to be an advocate. I want to work uh, in organizations that are trying to not only respond to people who have fallen through the cracks, but also to shore up the cracks and to help mm -hmm. people from falling through the cracks. That led me to public health because I became okay. very interested in uh, populations and thinking beyond individuals or families and really wanted to think, you know, my community and even beyond, how could we try to create interventions that would be preventative or that mm -hmm. would respond to health and broad social welfare disparities, but using uh, science and evidence. And I became very interested in epidemiology, the science of public health and integrating social justice with, uh, you know, with epidemiology and public health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Through that course, I was working, and you know, I, I realized I'm spending some time here on this uh, yeah, it's question. It's just all sewing together so nicely. I, I please go on. It's it's because it really was almost like a reading a book, and mm -hmm. chapter after chapter, there was sort of the next turn, and I didn't always understand where I was headed, but I had sort of this ongoing interest in health broadly, and really thinking about. How do I integrate these disparities, these systems that support or make it harder for some people, families, and communities? And then also, how do I develop uh, sort of population level preventative and, and treatment programs? But nagging all the way through that was this uh, real interest in wanting to care for people. I specialize in uh, the sexual and reproductive health of adolescents, but with a family-based perspective. And I initially was drawn to unplanned pregnancies among youth. Um, and many times folks ask me, why? Why unplanned pregnancy? Because in my community um, and across the country, when I was working in this area early on 20 years ago, it was one of the main reasons why young people dropped out of school. And if you became pregnant and you had an unplanned pregnancy and that pregnancy resulted in a birth during your adolescence, uh, it was much more difficult uh, for you to complete school, to seek employment. Many of those unplanned uh, pregnancies 
uh, resulted in uh, not one, but a, a secondary or tertiary pregnancy and birth. And there was almost um, a pattern where things became, um, you know, more difficult. I, I asked questions at why, why is this? And what can we do to uh, intervene with this issue? Because it's related to so many other issues. At the same time, April, I was seeing that it wasn't just unplanned pregnancies. It was sexually transmitted infections. It was HIV. It was mental health. It was issues around substance use. It was issues around instability in housing. Um, I mean, you name it. It was mm -hmm. sort of all syndemic in the communities where... Um, where I was working and where I was from. And uh, and so that led me to nursing. That led me to wanting to be part of the largest segment of the public health workforce. I love the holistic and preventative and wellness mm -hmm. messages of nursing. And I had a deep desire to, there was one aspect of nursing that really stood out for me and it was becoming a nurse practitioner. I mm -hmm. wanted to care mm -hmm. for people and I wanted to be able uh, to integrate direct care of young people and their families with this public health approach and also this attention to social welfare and combine that together. That has led me to Duke. Uh, and mm -hmm. I just think even beyond Duke, where we are as a profession in nursing, um, in many ways, the most recent Future of Nursing report, my, my read on that report, my interpretation, mm -hmm. is that it really does bring together social welfare, public health, and nursing in a way that my story kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, the different chapters, I didn't quite know I was going to get to this place, but I'm excited. I mean, now mm -hmm. we are, I think we're all in that place. And I think nursing is thinking about how we can address these uh, chronic and also contemporary disparities and inequities, thinking uh, in ways that nursing can evolve an interdisciplinary, interprofessional perspective. And to me, that's super, super exciting. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, we have a common um, background. I went into social work as well. Was That was my first step into healthcare before I went on to nursing. Uh, I have so many colleagues that have graduated from Duke's program and, and still have colleagues today that are faculty there or they work at the medical center. And it's such a fantastic program. I, and as I listen to your story, at any point along the way, you could have stopped and continued your career, a very robust career at that point. Um, there's so much that you've given and still to give um, in healthcare. Um, but now you're dean of a fantastic program. It's world-class and uh, Duke is amazing. And, and that is really very evident in the graduates uh, that come, come from that program. And so now here you are, you're a nurse practitioner, you are a social worker, a nurse, and now here you are the dean and focus is on education and in particular nurse practitioner education. So as you think about nurse practitioner education, now here you're turning back and giving back to this profession that you were so much a part of um, throughout your career. And so tell us a little bit more about NP education, just in general, what does it mean to you? 
So great, great question, April. I mean, I guess the first thing I should say is that I was uh, familiar with Duke because when I was thinking about my own NP education, I chose Duke. And so I was a student here. And so it's really an interesting mm -hmm. experience to have been a student and also to now be the dean of the school. For me, NP education, and I'm going to speak broadly and then I'll mm -hmm. zoom a little in on Duke, um, but I think there are many, many terrific, strong, and wonderful, and sorely needed NP programs across the country. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the holistic uh, sort of focus of NP education, not just on treating disease, but the person, both the psychological, right. the social, the health, that coming together, I think, is a unique uh, sort of feature of NP education. Yes. I think the attention to uh, health promotion and wellness uh, is also a unique uh, feature of NP education. I think the ability to think about cultural competency and alignment and to think about not only sort of clinical criteria and treatment protocols, but how do we ensure that our knowledge of pathophysiology, of treatment, our, you know, what we bring as clinical practitioners, how we can make that meaningful for our patients mm -hmm. and sort of really improve upon the outcomes that oftentimes in healthcare, outside of nursing, we've seen that even though there's this great treatment or prevention approach, it isn't used because right. we can't make that connection. I think nurses right. do a really good job, uh, NPs, but... Honestly, nurses at all levels do a really good job at being able to make those connections. Mm -hmm. I think our locational flexibility, you know, I think that certainly there are groups of us that will, of NPs, that will work in uh, sort of formal clinical settings like health centers, hospitals. But there are many of us that will work in the areas where uh, there aren't healthcare providers and where NPs are right. really addressing a gap. And I think that uh, our education needs to prepare us for being able to operate in that space that is a decentralized space. When mm -hmm. you're an NP mm -hmm. and you're working in a program that is for people that have uh, instability in their housing, a homeless shelter, a rural community, a school-based mm -hmm. clinic, um, those skills and that perspective and that experience of working with oftentimes underinsured or completely uninsured populations with chronic and complex uh, sort of health conditions, to me, that is a characteristic of uh, NP education across the country. I think that um, NPs being able to uh, think programmatically, not only clinically, but how do we set up our uh, systems of care? How do we align them? with uh, the needs of the patients in the communities that we serve? How do we think through uh, engaging our patients in ways, I mean, this is very noteworthy in the literature about NP practice, that patients feel more satisfied with us. You know, they like us. They feel that they're heard, that nurses take time to listen, that we are interested not only in helping them to manage their uh, their illness or whatever their condition is, but how they're doing with that and how that affects uh, their functional wellness, their ability to be whole people in the world in the most optimized way. To me, that's all central to NP education, and it's what I feel most proud about being a nurse practitioner. In terms of Duke, um, if I can just brag a little bit about mm -hmm. our program, I would say, you know, Duke is a special program. You know, we're um, 
we're a distance-based program, and so I use that language very specifically. Faculty have been uh, <clears throat> sort of advising me to not talk about our program as being online, but we're distance-based. We actually have students complete uh, both synchronous and asynchronous content remotely, but our program requires that students come to campus, and we're very, very proud of that. Um, across the courses, they have on-campus intensives that are designed specifically to provide a bolus of clinical skills, of face-to-face -face didactic experiences, of simulation experiences, of experiential and clinical experiences that happen when they're here at Doosan, right on, on campus. And so it is not unusual, for example, I'm just thinking about uh, one of my favorite courses when I was a student was our what's called our 595 course, our physical assessment okay. class. Mm -hmm. We came three times in the semester for a week and basically were involved in uh, sort of having that hands-on training, even though outside of our face-to-face -face time here at Doosan, we were engaged in class uh, remotely wherever we were. And so to me, that's an important distinction at Duke. I think that other things that we're proud of here at Doosan is our specialization. I think that our NP program, we obviously have many of the programs that, uh, that most schools will have, right. but we have a lot of specializations and those specializations allow NPs to really uh, leave their training programs uh, being much more expert. You know, during my program, I specialize in the care of people at risk and living with HIV. Mm -hmm. And uh, it meant additional coursework and clinical training. It allowed me to be able to sit for credentializing with the HIV Medical Association at the time oh, wow. of my graduation. Uh, and that's usually uh, an exam and a credentializing process that you need several years of experience in a certain amount of, of, uh, of direct patient care hours before you can be an HIV specialist. But Doosan had already thought through how do we use our specialization to prepare our NP graduates to not only do well in primary care, but to be able to manage folks who are living with HIV? And that's just one of the many specializations we have. Mm -hmm. I think we're very proud of that. Um, the other thing I'll say, and um, you know, I'd be interested, April, in hearing you know your thoughts about this or how listeners might respond to what I'm about to say, but we're very proud of, at Doosan of having uh, the program leaders that oversee the, the specific NP tracks. They are licensed and credentialized in that track, mm -hmm. and they are national experts who, whether they be you know, acute care NPs or nurse anesthetists, psych mm -hmm. NPs, they're folks who are recognized leaders in the area where they're leading uh, that program. I think that we're, we take that very seriously at Doosan, mm -hmm. and it's something that we're really proud of. And I guess the last thing I'll share is that I think we're a very fortunate school and that we have amazing simulation facilities, and we've been doing a lot uh, in terms of thinking about uh, ways of evolving that, mm -hmm. uh, incorporating uh, sort of new technology into uh, our NP training um, and even things that I don't fully understand, but the faculty is way ahead of me in terms of the integration of AI or certain mm -hmm. kinds of, uh, you know, there's something called Jabber, which is kind of like a robot that the NP students are using. I mean, these are things that unbelievable. I it's mean, evolving. just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, it's evolving. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. pretty, pretty cool.
That's awesome. So one of the things I think that you said so nicely is that um, nurse practitioners are, can often connect. They're connecting with that patient. So the patient's engaged with their own care. The nurse practitioner understands what's happening and seeks to understand everything around that patient, their home, how they got there, um, what may or may not contribute to them you know, following a treatment plan. So that connection, I think, is key. And that's what makes nurse practitioners such um, such valuable contributors to the patient and to the healthcare system today. Yes. And the role is really evolving. And um, and you, you said all of that so well. And as you described Duke's program, you described both the classroom in-person learning, the simulation. I love simulation in terms of, of you know, competency-based education and checking off those competencies but also at the bedside uh, learning and, and being immersed in the clinical setting. And um, so you're there, you're positioned next to Duke, the medical center, right? How does that, does that, is that, I, it's gotta be helpful in terms of providing um, one of the clinical sites for your students so that they can be immersed in the actual training at the bedside. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I think we are definitely fortunate that uh, Doosan is part of Duke University, but it sits under the health system. Medicine and nursing mm-hmm. sit under the health system. And I think there are a couple of ways, April, that that relationship is meaningful for faculty, for students, and for leadership. And so mm-hmm. maybe I'll start with leadership and then I will uh, kind of work my way through the different groups. So my position as dean of the school um, has all the traditional components that uh, a dean of a school of nursing would have. Mm -hmm. But there's another component, which is vice chancellor for nursing affairs in the Duke Health System. And what that means is that I get to work with the chief nursing officer, Marianne Fuchs, here at Duke. Mm -hmm. And I get to think about issues that are facing nursing broadly, not only within the education space, but in the health system space. I'm able to participate in the leadership meetings with physicians, with other leaders uh, at the very senior level of Duke Health about what's happening across our different uh, hospitals, our clinics, the entire health system. And it adds a richness to my Mm -hmm. ability to communicate what some of the needs are in the real practice world of what it looks like in clinics and hospitals. I think, in addition, there are many partnerships that are formed. And I think two of the partnerships that are formed that really align with faculty and also with students comes from what I was just talking about. The first Mm -hmm. is something called DANCE, which DANCE is an acronym that is Duke Advancement of Nursing uh, Center of Excellence. And it really is a partnership between the school and the academic health center that has a couple of pillars. And one of the pillars is to provide lifelong learning for the nurses that are in the health system that are working uh, in the health system and really creating a strong linkage between what we as a nursing school do and what's happening Mm -hmm. with what uh, they are doing in the health system. The other piece is to infuse evidence-based practice into what happens in the health system. And many of the PhD level faculty at Duke are working uh, in areas that are have great utility for the health system. And so having teams 
of practicing clinical nurses at all levels, not mm-hmm. only NPs, but all levels of nurses who are working with faculty on specific projects that have the intention of impacting care and quality of care in the health system. Um, and, and then also I think that there um, is this research mission, which has to do with mm-hmm. how do we not only improve quality of care, but how do we think about innovation, whether it be with new uh, technologies. Uh, we have an amazing center here at Tucson that works with the health system. A nurse uh, on the floor is trying to figure out how to do something, has an idea about a new device or a new technique that could potentially be useful. Uh, the partnership between Tucson, uh, Dance, the, uh, the center that we have here in health innovations and the health system, they can think about developing whatever that new thing is mm-hmm. that will allow then for the work in the health system to be um, more efficient, to be to reduce sort of risk, to uh, bolster patient safety and to obviously reduce cost. Um, I think those are things that we're very proud of. You know, mm-hmm. Marianne Fuchs, who is the chief nursing officer, and myself, we uh, co-chair dance. We meet every month. And mm-hmm. we have many nurses from across the Duke Health System, as well as faculty at Tucson, uh, who participate in the meetings where we carve out sort of the, you know, what the priorities will be for dance and what are the things that we're going to work on to show the value of nursing in the health system mm-hmm. and also to provide opportunities for students and for faculty to practice both more academically trained faculty and also Mm -hmm. practicing nurses to have that synergy. I think the other place where we have strong partnership that is really amazing is that the health system, as most health systems across the country are experiencing a lot of difficulties because of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We could say that uh, it's strictly COVID, but probably many of the factors that have made uh, it so palpable now uh, that are being labeled as COVID are things that have probably been going on for a while in terms of our preparedness and dealing with uh, sort of pandemics or sort of Mm -hmm. uh, healthcare delivery. We've had the opportunity at Doosan to really be very much in support of the health system, whether it be with assisting with planning for uh, this, the boosters for the vaccines, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether it be for thinking about how we get our staff uh, across the health system, the 20,000 people that are there, we can partner with what the health system is doing mm-hmm. to uh, help people to get vaccinated. Uh, are we doing pre-admission swabbing uh, for patients that are going into the hospital uh, to ensure that they're not going in with COVID? Are the mm-hmm. faculty working on infusions in the monoclonal antibody treatment center? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many places where the faculty are partnering and have partnered in the past uh, that provide also opportunities for students mm-hmm. to be involved in each of those initiatives. And so we're about to start doing that now. We've just had very preliminary meetings with this next, uh, you know, unfortunate surge with, you know, Delta and -hmm. what's happening in terms of admissions and the need to start getting our healthcare workers. It's about eight months that we're going to be entering that phase of needing to get the boosters and influenza Mm -hmm. vaccine. And so we're going to partner with the health system based on this partnership that we have, Dance, because there's Mm -hmm. a relationship there Mm -hmm. that we can uh, provide that support. And it has a big impact on our student training because the students uh, not only really value those experiences, 
but they want to be part of the solution. They want to mm-hmm, be part of mm-hmm. what's going on, and they want to work side by side with faculty and with uh, you know seasoned nurses uh, who are working in the health system to make a difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, the the integration. I mean, it's all, it's seamless. It sounds seamless uh, when I when you tell um, the story, but. The School of Nursing and the Medical Center, they're so well integrated. And I can see as a, you know, if I was seeking a school of nursing, that might be something I might look for. Are they associated with a medical center, a health system, so that there's a lot of fluidity across um, the line that's not school of nursing and then separately a medical center? You've just got that the constantly crossing and the fact that you wear a hat both at the school of course but also at the medical center makes a big difference as well and you're involved in those conversations and and the students are very much part of the solution but also you're also able to see your graduates and them practicing so two things one um, you had said you're there and you're able to see that graduate moving into practice and are the things that the graduate is learning in school, is that going to make that nurse practitioner an effective nurse practitioner, a safe, a high quality, very um, effective nurse practitioner at providing care. So that's one thing I think that stood out from what you said, but then the other certainly um, with the pandemic, that's just shined a spotlight um, on how just an ex- great example of how students can step up and be part of that solution. And we've seen that at our own uh, medical center as well. And students are, they're smart, they're innovative. And I um, personally, we, we brought students in to help us with our vaccination centers and quickly, some of those students just rose um, in terms of leadership and started to, you know, lead the whole site because they were so talented. So this really affords them that opportunity to shine. So I tell us a little bit more about the um, about the first thing I mentioned, you know, education based on outcomes. So outcomes of nurse practitioner practice and the value that they bring to patients. I think that's such an interesting concept because when people ask about NP education, they're wanting to know how much time have you spent taking care of patients? How did you check off competencies and things like that? But what you're really saying is that education is really based on that downstream outcome or value to the patient. And I think that's really what's important is the nurse practitioner at graduation, are they prepared for entry-level practice to care for patients and positively impact patient care outcomes? And so can you tell us a little bit more about the connection between their education and the outcomes of care that they provide as nurse practitioners? Sure. So I think uh, one thing I just want to reflect on, April, before I answer that question Mm -hmm. is uh, I really appreciated you highlighting uh, the commonality between uh, Duke and also your nursing Mm -hmm, school, mm -hmm. because I think that, um, you know, I feel strongly about this. There are many NP programs around the country that are doing exactly what I described Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in um, how I talked about um, what's happening with the health system and with uh, Doosan. 
And I think we should be proud of that. And I think we mm-hmm. should lift that up. And I think we should celebrate that. And while I am talking about MP practice broadly and also spending some time on Doosan, I think it's also important to recognize that there's terrific things going on all over the country mm-hmm. and we need more of that. And right. one of the things I love about uh, this podcast is that it's an opportunity for people to hear about those things mm-hmm. and the, the quality and the outcomes of NP uh, practice. You know, I think for us, um, I'll try to answer your question a couple of ways. Um, we've been having a lot of discussion here at Doosan around hours. Obviously, there's some new guidelines around uh, NP education and training and mm-hmm, the idea mm-hmm. of increasing the hours to a thousand, uh, the sort of ongoing question about DNP versus MSN entry points, right. competencies. Those are uh, topics that I think the field broadly needs to kind of grapple with. What I will say is that that discussion has led to a really rich discussion within Doosan around mm-hmm. how do we know whether or not uh, our students are achieving their competencies and are hours synonymous with achieving those competencies. Right. And I guess I will say as the dean, but I'm going to put on my cap as an individual faculty member, a nurse mm-hmm. practitioner, I don't know if hours are synonymous with competencies. Right. My gut says they're not. Mm-hmm. And my gut says that we need to think about uh, a better way to really mm-hmm. evaluate whether or not our training experiences are leading uh, our NPs or preparing our NPs for being able to enter a practice. At Doosan, there's certainly a piece that has to do with knowledge and sort of clinical uh, expertise regarding protocols and treatments. That feels in some ways a little bit more straightforward because oftentimes Mm -hmm. there's testing that can sort of evaluate whether or not somebody uh, knows what the right protocol is for treating diabetes or hypertension or whatever it may be. But I think uh, the pieces that... Uh, I think are harder is how do we create spaces where we can ensure that uh, the populations with the greatest need who are often the ones who are not being reached, who need uh, holistic right. care, mm-hmm. who uh, are how often are experiencing historical trauma. How are we reaching? Mm-hmm. How are we reaching them? And I mm-hmm. think those are the things that our programs probably uh, could sort of across the country do more to support Mm -hmm. RNPs. Mm -hmm. For us, the way that we've measured those outcomes is by really trying to create uh, experiential experiences where we Mm -hmm. bring those populations in to our school to kind of share their story and what that means for, uh, you know, their care and the implications of not having a provider that could hear them that would really take the time to listen. Mm -hmm. We emphasize that in our sort of clinical evaluations when students are in placement and they're at their sites and they're working, uh, you know, with diverse populations. We create simulation-based cases where Mm -hmm. we're looking for uh, attention to those uh, factors that are not just about knowing what is the right treatment for whatever mm-hmm. it is, but did you pick up on all of those other issues that might get in the way of right. your care model? Are you able to have cultural humility? Are you mm-hmm. able to move beyond just awareness, uh, but really to think about how does your care align Mm-hmm. with the needs of the patient? Are you an advocate for your patient? Right. Um, I think that, you know, April, the, the, at the end of the day, we have this informal saying here at Doosan, 
uh, the Duke nurse. And we, <laughs> for us, the Duke nurse, I think... Means a lot. It, it means a lot. It means a mm-hmm. lot. It means that we have prepared our students to um, really to be leaders and mm-hmm. to be leaders uh, not only in the formal uh, sort of way of thinking about leadership, but as, um, you know, competent providers that are going to be able to address uh, the places where we as a country, not just nursing, but healthcare delivery, have really mm-hmm. fallen short. And for us, the outcomes, uh, what are our patients saying about our care? What are our actual clinical outcomes? What mm-hmm. are the costs associated uh, with NP practice? And I think there's a lot of research that already has answered a lot of those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, comparable outcomes clinically, patients uh, like us equally, if not more, Uh, None of the negative things that I think, unfortunately, often have been uh, quite pronounced in some of the Mm -hmm. arguments against NPs. You know, we we are not more risky. We don't have more malpractice. We have similar outcomes. Uh, Mm -hmm. We work within our scope. Uh, We know when to partner and to seek additional guidance from other providers. Um, I mean, I think, April, those are things that NP training program should be really proud of. Mm-hmm. Oh, you said all that so well, and it's, a, it's so true, so true today. And much of what you just said, too, was highlighted in the Future of Nursing report, which you mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, one, one element of the report was really taking a look at our educational programs and are we really teaching about cultural humility, health equity, are we teaching social determinants of health? And it sounds like you all are doing that and doing that so well. And the nurse practitioners that come uh, are graduates of your programs and like programs across the country are really there. They're there and they're really, um, it couldn't be a better time for the future of nursing report to come out because they really are there and ready to provide that amazing care. Well, I have just been, I've I've just so enjoyed speaking with you today. You've hit on so many important aspects of education and really highlighted the depth and the breadth of education that goes into every nurse practitioner um, before they enter into practice um, is there anything that you would like to add? Where do you see the future of, of nurse practitioner education going? Sure. So what a great question, April. And I just want to say thank you also for the opportunity mm-hmm. to talk today on the podcast. I guess I would like to leave um, the listeners and the folks that will hear the podcast with one more important message. You know, I think that innovative models of care is fundamental to NP practice. Mm-hmm. And I just want to mm-hmm. illustrate with one example, and it really comes from my training as a student in the NP program here at Duke. When I graduated and went back to the Bronx where I was living and practicing, mm-hmm. um, I realized when COVID hit that my community uh, in the South Bronx had the highest number of cases, diagnoses, uh, hospitalizations, and also mortality. And um, we started our time today, April, talking about uh, what led me to nursing. And here we are Mm -hmm. again, it's 2020, Mm -hmm. and my South Bronx community was experiencing COVID along with all these other things at a rate that was much higher than other parts of the the city. The city responded by trying to shore up what were historical 
uh, sort of gaps in in the health and public health response. But they were pop ups that were were you know showing up at community based sites, Department right. of Health. Um, that testing at the time we didn't have the vaccine. We had testing. That testing mm-hmm. was not being accessed by. Uh, the families that were living in this one particular part of the South Bronx called okay. Mott Haven. There are about 100,000 people that live in housing projects, public housing, and they were experiencing the brunt of this epidemic. Mm-hmm. A nurse, Holly Hagen and myself, both of us mm-hmm. uh, really committed to novel uh, healthcare delivery, really believe in the important role that nurses play we were very distressed by this, largely because obviously our nursing commitments, but also because at least in my case, I come from that South Bronx community. Right, right. And we applied to NIH uh, for a randomized clinical trial that we were going to partner nurses and community health workers and go door to door, household to household to get families to do a couple of things one to test routinely and also indicated mm-hmm. testing to navigate them things were evolving by the time we received the grant uh, for vaccine in the home to actually mm-hmm. receive their mm-hmm. vaccine to also help them with mitigation that was behavioral obviously face masks uh, mm-hmm. having ppe hand washing social distancing but also building mutual aid Trust. Mm-hmm. And helping the community, the families to help each other mm-hmm. in managing psychological distress and ensuring that there were wraparound services because many of those families uh, were uh, prior to the you know pandemic were not seen as being invaluable, but post uh, or during the pandemic were labeled essential workers. They were the people who were doing food services and all the Mm -hmm, things that kept mm -hmm. those of us that, uh, or those that could stay home, home. And so the thing that I'm proud of with this project is that right now we're doing this RCT. It's going on in the South Bronx. The nurses are going door to door. They're Mm -hmm. working with community health workers. And our comparison condition in the experiment is the standard healthcare system. And I believe, we don't have the results yet, but I believe because of the way that we have built trustworthiness with Mm -hmm. the community, because of the way that we've defined the nursing intervention as having a holistic approach, being family-centered, being preventative, wellness, the unique connection between the nurses Mm -hmm. and uh, the community health workers, the involvement of nurse practitioners as the head of the project and really overseeing the care of the families across uh, the RCT, I think we're going to do better than the formal health system. And I I think it's an example Mm -hmm. of what I feel most proud about Duke, because it was at Duke that I was able to get the perspective that would have me and Holly sort of dare to think Mm -hmm. that we could do this kind of project as nurses and that Mm -hmm. we could say we have the ability to shape uh, community outcomes and that nurses... um, can have a big impact. And so for me, the final thing I'd like to say is nurses do have an impact. Nurse practitioners Mm -hmm. are really essential in provision of care and not just in the formal traditional ways, but it's time for us to think out of the box, to really uh, step up and be the leaders that we are Mm -hmm. and to have an impact on the things that we feel passionate about. And so, uh, I couldn't agree more. I yes. couldn't agree more. And um, you definitely went out there and 
it's it's understanding it's it's respect for those communities it's understanding it's establishing trust so that you can provide that much needed health care that's an excellent example that you just provided and uh, a great example of what we're seeking with the future of nursing report a great example of what you're seeking in your students that you're educating each and every day um, what a fantastic example and what a fantastic podcast this has been today Thank it's you. just been an absolute pleasure to get to know you a little bit better get to know um, your program a little bit better and i think our audience like me we're all much richer we're all enriched and richer as a result of this um podcast today. So thank you so much. And thank you for your time. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you, April. And thank you for doing this podcast and for elevating nurse practitioners all across the country. Be well and stay safe. Thank you, Dean Ramos. You are an inspiration to so many of our listeners and your passion for NP education is evident every time you speak. For our listeners, here is an opportunity for some unique continuing education. Now is the time to register for the 2022 AANP Health Policy Conference. Whether you're a seasoned NP advocate or a novice in this arena, this conference provides a unique opportunity to expand your health policy knowledge. Discuss policy issues with your peers. Learn what resonates with your elected leaders and return home a stronger NP advocate for your patients. The conference begins on March 6th. Please subscribe to this podcast, share with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm.